1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The biggest indictment you can make about Mike Ashley is he made Saudi Arabia's PIF seem like the good guys in all this.
0: Welcome back to The Front Three, a bonus podcast today, an emergency podcast, because it was announced earlier this afternoon that the Newcastle United takeover bid has failed. Great news, Chris Enich. I'm sure you'd agree.
1: Yeah, I was, you know, I was ready to toast the departure of Mike Ashley, so much so that I dragged my <laughs> poor fiancé around our local area to try and find some Newcastle brown ale. Um <laughs> after I exhausted all but one supermarket in our near radius. Um, wow. And how, now, how, how
0: long did it take you to find this new car soprano?
1: About 10 days of me Googling <laughs> and then I want to say 15 minutes in the car both ways to a, a specialist like beer shop. And now in the fridge, their expiry dates are staring back at me because the superstitious in me does not really want to open them because it feels like I would be toasting more of Mike Ashley and not the end of him
0: so you were going to celebrate the end of Mike Ashley you weren't for one welcoming your new Saudi Arabian overlords
1: no it was it was sort of how I had been able to rationalize that I couldn't celebrate the presence of the new owners but I could at least appreciate that the bad era of Mike Ashley at my football club was over and I think if if there was any moment of this that felt ominous The day after we found it, we bought it, we came back, I went to the one supermarket near me that I hadn't checked because the line was too big, because of corona. I went in, and there it was, staring me in the face, cheaper than I had bought it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's perfect, it says it all. Um, The consortium did release a statement this afternoon as you all know they had reached a 300 million pound agreement with Mike Ashley back in april with the deal being scrutinized under the premier league's owners and directors test over the past few months the consortium's statement today read With a deep appreciation for the Newcastle community and the significance of his football club, we have come to the decision to withdraw our interest in acquiring Newcastle United Football Club. We do so with regret as we were excited and fully committed to invest in this great city and believe we could have returned the club to the position of its history, tradition and fans' merit. Unfortunately, the prolonged process under the current circumstances coupled with global uncertainty has rendered the potential investment no longer commercially viable.
1: What do you make of that, Chris? Yeah, I I think coronavirus was always going to impact football across the board. And I had read pieces from time to time during the coronavirus period that said that Saudi Arabia's investments were under greater scrutiny because of the fallout of it. So in, in that regard, I'm not terribly surprised that that's been cited as a reason. I think What is the greater reason, which you touched on there, is the continued delays from the Premier League relating to the owners and directors test. Um, As you can understand, I think, as was pretty prevalent during the entire process, there are so many briefing parties filling um, different outlets and journalists with different sources, different perspectives, all this kind of thing, that it is, I would say, bordering on the impossible to ascertain what is the truth. Um, I am reminded of Don Henley, singer of the Eagles, who once said there are three sides to every story, yours, mine, and the cold hard truth. I don't know if we'll ever get to the cold hard truth on this one. So much to say, to me, it does look as if the Premier League did not want to pass this takeover with the presence of Saudi Arabia's PIF because of its potential links to the Saudi Arabian state and the idea of shadow owners and all this but they didn't want to reject it out of hand. So what it looks like to me they have done is they have intentionally delayed, delayed, delayed to the point where Richard Masters has said, you know, there'll be, I think it was even maybe a month ago, said there will be a decision shortly, in inverted commas, a very vague term to use at that precise moment, um, in the hope that what has eventually come to pass would happen. And the PIF of become bored of waiting for want of a better phrase and decided to to pull out um, rather than be rejected or kind of keep this whole process tumbling along
0: yeah i mean as you say there's still things coming out about this news we're speaking a couple of hours after the statement was released And there's still tidbits and details coming out on Twitter, and I'm sure they will be in the hours and days to come. For example, Dan Rowan, the BBC journalist, said the consortium felt they'd actually given the Premier League plenty of assurances about the distance between the PIF, between the investment fund and the Saudi state. But one thing it does seem for sure, Chris, is that this was a real shock. So much so that the club themselves reportedly had no idea that the plug was going to get pulled today
1: yeah exactly and and that kind of goes back to what i said before about lots of moving parts with different briefs being passed around i've not had any inside track on this at all what i have done is spoke to people based in that region to try and understand culturally a little bit of how these processes work with the likes of pif and there's a lot of i guess ego attached to these kind of deals so the idea of again, wanting to save face and not withdraw from the takeover because it would be seen as a failure was one thing that was put to me. Um, I think by the same token, that bullishness fed into that aspect of the ego attached to the situation with them believing that they could not so much strong arm, but just keep putting up so much confidence that it would just be done through force of will rather than anything else. And I think that's the problem is that, <clears throat> for the lack of transparency, which I appreciate there needs to be, um, you know, some some aspect of this needs to be private and done behind closed doors. The lack of transparency has made it very difficult for supporters and those outside to ascertain, I think, where the process is at, what is actually happening, and ultimately how we got to this. The reason that um, the consortium have given is perfect for the Premier League because it means they haven't had to reject it. And that, to me, simultaneously, is also one of my issues with this, is that they haven't had the courage of conviction to stand up and say, no, we don't want you to be part of this league. We do not feel comfortable greenlighting this. They've instead waited it out. And I think when I've seen little drip feeds of stories here that, for example, the uh, not so much the exclusivity, But the original term sheet that was signed with Mike Ashley, that price has now expired and Ashley was trying to renegotiate. That's where I start to think that, okay, has the Premier League known that information? Have they intentionally thought, you know what, let's just keep holding this on and we'll just wait for dominoes to fall to the point where it's not actually viable for the consortium to keep going along with this. And I think that's the problem is that it doesn't really feel – as if the Premier League has acted in the best interests of, of anyone attached to Newcastle United. I mean, we discussed uh, the various
0: complications of this deal, aside from the human rights controversy, when we recorded our, appropriately titled now, uh, Is the Newcastle Takeover Bid Doomed? podcast um from a few weeks back i do encourage you guys to go and listen to that if you want more details on it i'll leave a link in the show notes but henry winter the chief writer of the times citing them today on twitter as some of the issues that came up in this proposed takeover bid with the tv piracy dispute and the impact that could have on broadcasters and apparently reservations as well about whether there would actually be a saudi presence on the newcastle board All this, as I say, aside from the obvious human rights controversies, which for me, I think, means that this is the best long-term outcome for Newcastle and football, in my opinion. The obvious moral implications, I feel like it would have been unprecedented and a line would have been crossed if this takeover had gone through. But I can also understand, Chris, the, the disappointment for Newcastle fans in that Mike Ashley is still the owner of Newcastle.
1: Look, we can sit and discuss the merits of Saudi Arabia and, and is it right, is it wrong, all that kind of thing. I've made it quickly. I couldn't really get on board and sign off with them owning the football club just because of the element of Jamal Khashoggi, the human rights record, all that kind of thing. I can also acknowledge that there are parties within the Premier League that already have similar type of concerns attached to them and their history um and associations i think for me the more pressing focus generally but genuinely rather is where did newcastle go next and i say that because the fact that mike ashley agreed to sell the club to this party to this consortium i think was evidence that he was very much at the the lowest ebb in terms of his eagerness or willingness to own this football club i think he'd become tired of it ultimately um because there was a piece i think in the athletic that sort of articulated mike ashley as being someone that if it's not making him money he struggles to justify putting the time and effort in and i don't think newcastle makes him a ton of money i think it makes him some he obviously has the benefit of ubiquitous sponsorship across the stadium which is a benefit um but I think even that has started to lose its appeal to him. With that said, what do you then do when the current owner is at an all-time low in terms of personal investment emotionally, and then has to try and take the club forward when you know he doesn't want to, and you know that even when he was kind of you know at, at his own personal peak of, of attached to the club, there was very little investment. How how far down can you go in terms of that barrel? And, and I think there was already talk, I want to say in the last 10 days, that regardless of the takeover right now, they were making contingency plans. There would be 30 million to spend plus any money generated in. This squad has a lot of holes in it, first and foremost. Um, it needs a goal-scoring striker, just off the top of my head. It needs a left back at least. It needs a more dynamic midfielder. Um, there are a lot of things to address and I don't believe that 30 million plus any player sales will do that because I don't think there are a lot of really sellable assets that you would want to get rid of because if you sell let's say Alan saint Maximan, you would then have to replace him as we know so I think that's the concern for supporters is where on earth do we go next and to be frank I think there's a little tinge of if not this lot then who the fuck is gonna buy us to be if you'll allow me to be quite um blue with my language, if not now, then when because it seems like the the list of people who would be willing to pay the price he wanted is very small, and I think I can't see where that buyer is coming from. I know people like Henry Winter have talked about an American investor there was a chap called Henry Morris mentioned who yeah. I can find next to nothing about online, like genuinely nothing. <laughs> he, which he supposedly
0: me. made a three hundred and fifty million pound bid to buy the club last month, um, but as you say, it's it's somewhat dubious.
1: Yeah, he, his presence, and again, that goes back to what I said before about you have, I guess, what you would constitute a geopolitical war unfolding between Qatar and Saudi Arabia, where I've seen people speculate that the Henry Morris bid is essentially an attempt by Qatar to derail this bid from uh, the current consortium of PCP and, and PIF wow. just because they don't want them to get involved. And you have the fight between those two countries that reaches far beyond sport and piracy and who owns specific rights. Hmm. And that's the thing is that it it's not obvious how they get away that's the problem at the minute Mike Ashley and, and Newcastle United are in a completely loveless marriage they don't want to be associated with each other and I think Daniel story I think wrote something for iNews that I have to kind of agree with which is the biggest indictment you can make about Mike Ashley is he made Saudi Arabia's PAF seem like the good guys in all this he <laughs> made them seem as if like yeah I'd rather that than this. And and some of that, and I've talked about this before, some of that is the football, absolutely. Some of that is the notion that this consortium would invest in Newcastle, not just the football club, the city and the socioeconomic factors attached to a British government that I think has neglected the North East for a long time. And the people who would benefit from that, some of whom probably don't even care about football, but would feel a tangible benefit in the same way that, manchester has benefited from manchester city Hmm. and so i think when you pull all of that away when it's been promised when it felt like it was felt like it was different compared to the other ones i see why so many supporters are uh emotionally sapped because the truth is as much relief as i felt that okay it's finally over i can't in good conscience say well, I was totally delighted with the news. There was a little part of me that was like, oh, okay, so now it's Ashley again. Where do we go next? That's the problem, is that this is a very, I would say, nuanced issue that I think there have been some Newcastle fans that have very much painted themselves in a bad light and and come out with things and done things that should not have happened in terms of supporting this the pif wholeheartedly and saudi arabian flags and all all that stuff i also think it is it is a little bit rich to paint newcastle fans en masse as the ones to blame when they had no say in who bought this club in the first place and they have been routinely told throughout the 12 13 years there's nothing you can do to change this you have no power if you want to do something stop going to games Stop going to that one thing that you kind of enjoy at the end of the week after you've been working hard and putting your money away that you've had an association with for 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Like it's just very rich to me that people will sit and make that argument because I think it's, it's, it almost ignores why we love the game in the first place and it applies far too much of a, well, you know, if it was Nike, you would stop buying Nike. It's not the same. I don't love a sports brand in the same way I love my football club. I never have. I never will. It's different.
0: Very well said, Chris. Um, yeah, it's it's a very complicated issue. And I'm sure for Newcastle fans as well, very complicated feelings. And I'm sure we'll be talking about it in the weeks to come. We'll see if this bid from uh, from Henry Morris is real. For now, though. Where can uh, where can the good listeners find more of you and your uh, your thoughts on the Newcastle takeover?
1: They can find me at K Henage, and I will say this: if the Henry Morris bid comes off and it's true, mm-hmm. I will donate fifty pounds to a charity of someone's choosing. Wow,
0: is there like a deadline on this? Does it need to happen by a certain no, point? Or just, just no, just ever,
1: ever. That that's how sceptical I am of this given one of the few things I could find of him was a claim that he's being invested by the FBI and the CIA
0: Wow, you know what Chris I think your £50 is safe